I don't like saying that I can cook. I believe cooking is an art. I believe entertaining is an art. Both can be learned, but there's a certain je ne sais quoi that is cooking and cooking for people at that. Now, I can make palatable food, but I wouldn't say that I can cook. I also can't say that I have the ability to come back after minor scandals to rule the world like it never happened. I'm no Martha Stewart in so many of the ways that matter. So to hear her tale is quite the treat indeed, even if it does go down a bit bitter. Martha was born Martha Costria on August 3rd, 1941. Her parents were initially both teachers before her dad switched over to pharmaceuticals, and it was from them that she learned most of the skills that would make the career that she is now famous for. Homemaking. Homemaking. I meant homemaking. Don't do that to Auntie Martha. Her father taught her everything she knew about gardening. Her mother taught her everything about cooking and sewing, and her grandparents, canning and preserving. I would make a Thanos or Captain Planet joke here, but it would probably be overkill. She had a pretty busy childhood, busier than most. She babysat for members of the New York Yankees when she was 10, and during her teens, she appeared in commercials and did some modeling for products like Chanel. Martha has a degree in architectural history from Barnard College, Manhattan, which, at least for me, makes her even more of a wonder because, fraud aside, when you read through her life story, you realize that she's never been linear. She met her husband, Andrew, while at Barnard, and they married in 1961. She went on to work as a stockbroker at Wall Street. They have one child, Alexis, born in 1967. I'd like to say I'm surprised that Martha's mentor slash muse slash tutor was Julia Child, but it makes perfect sense. It was after remodeling her 19th century farmhouse in Connecticut that she shared with Andrew that she decided to focus on her hobby, gourmet cooking. To train herself, she read Mastering the Art of French Cooking by one of the masters, Julia Child herself. In 1976, she took one of the first strides to building the empire that we know today, albeit a step that seemed to be on 18-inch stilettos. She started a catering company with a friend from her modeling days. It did well immediately, but the partnership flopped equally as fast, mostly because her partner accused her of being difficult to work with and taking jobs on the side. Martha ended up buying out her friend and partner and flying solo. At the same time, she was a manager of a gourmet food store, possibly to learn everything that she could about the ingredients she would be utilizing. But she was let go from that position after a disagreement with the owner of the mini mall that the food store operated out of. A bit of a theme there, it seems. 
It would be one of her husband's events in 1982 that would get her a kernel of the prominence that she enjoys today. That sounds very wrong, but I don't know how else to put it. He translated a children's book and it was sitting at the apex of the New York bestsellers list when he asked her to create and fix the menu for the book's release party. There was where she would meet the man who would help her publish her very first book and take her career above and beyond. Entertaining would be the first of many successful books by Stewart. These books would land her interviews on shows like Larry King Live and The Oprah Winfrey Show, which were the top shows of the day. If you got on these shows, you were very much made as a business person. In the 1990s came Martha Stewart Living, a magazine publication out of Time Publishing Ventures, aka Time Inc., where Stewart served as editor-in-chief. This magazine line would later become a weekly television show which would run until 2004. In 1997 would come Martha Stewart Living Omnimedia, which would basically become the company that would hold and manage everything Martha Stewart. In 1999, it would go public on the New York Stock Exchange. Martha Stewart had become a homemaking phenomenon. Now, of course, you're listening to Scam Kings, not Sleek Queens, and as boss as Miss Martha is, the controversy needs to be addressed. It's what you're here for, right? Back in the late 1990s, early 2000s, a group of scientists were convinced that they had successfully developed a cure for cancer, specifically head and neck cancer. It is an intravenous infusion drug called Herbitux, and long story short, they had a lot of people invest in it. One of them being Miss Martha herself. The thing with these groundbreaking discoveries is that they are really and truly hit or miss. And people, and by people, I mean the Food and Drug Administration out of the US, can be skeptical about approving it for human consumption. In the eyes of the FDA, the idea was cute, but they had some doubts. So they denied the approval and of course, no approval means no sale and more importantly, no profit for the shareholders to, well, share. What the executives and other personnel of the company decided to do at the time was sell their stock prior to the announcement of the rejection before trading close on December 28, 2001. Not only that, the founder of Imcrone Systems, the company behind Libertox, advised his friends and family to sell their stocks as well, all prior to the announcement. This, kids, is called insider trading, and it is very, very bad. Because it means inequity among a system that is supposed to have equity. Remember, shareholders, particularly those a party to public liability companies, are supposed to share all losses and profits. Per the size of their share portion, of course. When someone has information about issues that can affect price of stock, profit, loss, etc. prior to everyone else, they have an unnatural advantage that defeats the purpose of shareholding. That's an oversimplified way to explain why insider trading is so wrong. And that is what those involved with Imclone did. Now, how did Martha get mixed up in all this? Well, the same way the founder's family did. On December 27, 2001, her broker, Peter Bakanovic, called Martha and basically told her to sell her almost 4,000 shares of Imcoon stock. She sold her stock 10 minutes later. Now, to her credit, she was never told why she should sell it, just that she should. Further, she did call and leave a message with the CEO to try to gauge what was going on, a call which the CEO never returned. 
but it didn't matter because she'd already sold a stock and was on her merry way to Mexico with a friend. But crucial, if she didn't know the pertinent information, how could she be involved in insider trading, you ask? Good question, friend. The answer is she technically wasn't, but that doesn't matter because that isn't what she went down for. It's totally connected though, I promise. Remember when this whole mess went down, she was on her way to Mexico. Well, her travel buddy, Mariana Pasternak, would later testify that when the whole debacle went down, Martha made a comment to this extent. Isn't it nice to have brokers who tell you these things? Which doesn't exactly sound too innocent after all, Miss Martha. Not only that, when things became stickier, Stewart claimed that she'd already had a stop-loss order on her stocks. So when the price dropped to $60 a share on the 27th, her stop-loss order kicked in. And a stop-loss order is exactly what it sounds like. It's a protective measure built to protect you, the shareholder, from losing too greatly should the price of a stock that you've invested in fall suddenly and sharply. Turns out, during trial, Douglas Fanoy, her broker's assistant and the person who sold Martha's stock, testified that he was forced by his boss to lie about the stop-loss order. Now, Martha already made this a public statement, like she talked to the press and whatever. So, it was a big, fat, public lie. Added to that, she refused to testify herself with her attorney saying she would invoke her Fifth Amendment right to become a witness against herself, basically. In the end, Martha was actually charged with lying to investigators and obstructing justice. She was sentenced to five months in prison, two years supervised release, and instructed to pay a fine of $30,000. She spent her prison sentence in the federal prison camp, Alderman. She continues to maintain her innocence, which I both get and don't get. She did step down as CEO of Martha Stewart Living Omnimedia before her trial in 2004, and then she was banned from being any of the C-blank O's of any public company for five years. Consequences extending past her sentence include not being able to get a UK visa for lying to prosecutors. But none of that matters. Because Miss Martha is that girl. Now, don't get me wrong, there's a lot to dissect here. And I could go deep, deep into bounce back ability and the rules thereof. But it's Sunday, and you came here to relax. So let's just leave it as she's that girl. Unless you've been living under a rock, Martha Stewart is back. She's currently most well known for her show with rapper Snoop Dogg called Martha and Soup's Potluck Dinner Party. But she has done a mountain of work since her release, including reviving her talk show, writing a book about how to start a business, creating two craft lines for Walmart, starting a housing division through Omnimedia, and starting a winery. The list is extensive. And although her conviction looms, it only seems to add a bit of edge to who she is. I'm resisting the bait, y'all. I am resisting the bait. So that's that on Martha Stewart. Her rise, fall, and rise again saga is one for the ages. Hope you enjoyed this dish of financial fiendishness. Tune in next time to more scintillating savers from the Scam King Kitchen. Take care and happy living.
Information for this episode was sourced from Wikipedia, Biography.com, and the University of New Mexico.